So, hey, welcome back. We are talking million-dollar careers and how to get one. And I am with my longtime friend, Rob Houghton. Rob is the president of uh, MR Fairfax. He, uh, he is uh, the leading executive recruiter for the insurance agency. It focuses up in the Washington, D.C. area. He is currently sitting in the Middle East. Uh, when he's not an insurance executive recruiter, he is uh, actually a coach and a trainer and he works with special forces in the military. He's got an incredible background. Thrilled to have him here. And uh, what's happening, Rob? Good afternoon or good night or good morning, wherever it is. I'm in Abu Dhabi right now. I'm eight hours in front of you. But yeah, it's uh, really good. I rolled in uh, late last night, so I got three or four hours of sleep. Uh, but it's all good. Sunny, 78 degrees. It's, Love Abu Dhabi. It's, it's the coolest time of the world. I think you I were through it. here when you were in the Navy, right? Yeah, I loved it there. I used to get there when I was in industry, too. I'd probably go there two, three times a year, too. Good. And, uh, yeah, just go uh, yeah, go meet with the Emirati governments and stuff, the Dubai Air Wing and then the Abu Dhabi uh, uh, Royal Flight. And, uh, it's just a cool part of the world. Um, yeah, I love it's it great. So People cool. are really nice over here. Man. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's it's. It's a cool part of the world and one where, you know, more people need to get to to understand it a little bit. And uh, it's changing so much, too. So, And, of course, it's easy to be nice to people when you have a lot of money, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, There's a lot so, of money over here. Yeah. So, hey, look, yeah, we, we were talking, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of message traffic out there right now about what do you say about your crappy boss? When you're, yeah. when you're when you're looking for a new job, what do you say about your crappy boss? And I'm like, you know, I don't think you say a thing about your crappy boss because if you're if you're sitting there bitching and complaining about a bad boss, you you're letting one person have too much control over your life. Yeah. And the fact is, you're stuck. You're looking backwards. You're le you're letting one person hold you down when. Really, what you should be saying is, I've got a whole lot more to offer. And focusing on one person who may or may not be a negative. And look, I think there's a lot of great. Yeah, look, if you're you can be the best boss in the world, you'd be the most outstanding leader in the world. And there will be 10 percent to 20 percent of your team who will hate you. And to them, you'll oh, be yeah. a bad. And to them, you'll be a bad boss. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, hey, look, you, know, you can't please everybody. So I think the other thing, too, is uh, if you're bitching about your boss, if you're complaining about your boss, that just gives out a very negative vibe. Uh, and you want to keep things positive, because if you're going to be a leader and let's face it, if you're going to get to a million dollars, you're probably going to have to, you know, achieve some sort of, of leadership of, position. You got to be a leader. A, you're going to kiss a lot of frogs along the way. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get to the top, yeah. be it in your own business. You know, you might be the best entrepreneur of the world. You're going to have some unhappy customers. You're going to have some customers you're going yeah. to have to fire. There ain't no, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I got the best marriage in the world. But there are times when my wife just wants to beat me over the head with a frying pan. And, you know, yeah, it's okay. There's no such thing as a, you know, there's, there's no such thing as paradise, right? And it's, yeah, boring. you know, uh, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, I had a company in Africa, geopath.net, that was sold probably about 30 years ago now. But uh, 
I was I was the CEO of the company, and it was a small company. We, we had maybe a hundred people in it. But I remember we had our our telecommunication crews that would go out and do installations. That was very dangerous work to have to do. Uh, uh, frequency testing, climbing radio towers, heavy equipment. So there'd be a lot of bitching and moaning on these crews. And I had this one particular guy, uh, Gilbert Aroom. If Gilbert's out there, how you doing? And uh, I remember he had a crew where everybody was like super positive. Yeah. I mean, a million things could go wrong on one of these crews. You could get, you know, a safety issue, a, an equipment issue. You, you, you can't get the link. I mean, yeah. anything to do with communications, as you know, from being in the military. And I remember he was crew number alpha. We had six crews. The sixth crew was headed up by another guy, an American guy, actually, who probably had 10 times the education as Gilbert. And all this guy did was bitch and moan, bitch and yeah. moan. Don't have enough equipment, Rob. Don't have enough money. The, the radio tower is too high. The weather's bad. I mean, one thing after another. And we used to track the progress of all these teams. Yeah. And Gilbert's team was by far the most efficient and the happiest team. And this other guy, I mean, his team was the worst. Yeah. So what I did is team number six, who again, this guy's going to remain un, uh, uh, unnamed, came to me finally and says, Hey, he says, I can't do any better. I'm sorry that my team is performing so miserably. So you know what I did? I took Gilbert, put him on team six, and took the American guy, put him on team alpha. And you want to know what happened? Team alpha sucked. Team well, team alpha, team alpha continued to do pretty well because Gilbert had already trained these guys. They had the positive mm -hmm. attitude. They believed that no installation would ever go mm -hmm. without success. Okay. Team six turned it around in like two weeks. Yeah. It's because of Gilbert's positive attitude. He never came to me with any complaints. He never bitched and moaned to management. Mm -hmm. He took care of everything himself. And you know what? When I sold the company to a billionaire, guess who got stuck? Gilbert. He's the guy that got the stock. And, and in U.S. dollar terms, believe me, he's a millionaire now in Africa. <laughs> and, he, and he did it because the guy didn't bitch and moan. Gilbert's a happy you know? guy. He's a happy guy. And, and you know what? His team looked at him because it's contagious. Positive mm -hmm. attitude is contagious. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do, like in the military, you know about being a naval aviator. The minute somebody down the chain of command starts complaining, that's yeah. when the wheels come off. Yeah. You cannot. You have to resist the temptation to bitch and moan. I totally agree with everything you said. Yeah, no, you know, look, I think when it comes down to, you know, when people are out there looking for a new job or they're thinking about something, it comes to this. You know, the boss that you may or may not like, you know, look, your turnover in a company is good. There's there's so much thing like, you know, the reason people quit is you know, they don't quit companies, they quit leaders and yak, yak, yak. And you know, hey, look, at the end of the day, you may be in a great company. But you, you're not. Your boss ain't going anywhere, and you're not going to get his job, so you're stuck, right? And you know, and yeah, there you go. So you leave, and you go find a place where you can thrive. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I'm a big. I've, I've, I've got way too much money. Lisa, cover yours. I'm not. You know, it's. Uh, you don't want to know how much money we have invested in this company. But I was, I was listening to this podcast by John Carrington. The company is STEM. You know it, Rob. Oh, yeah. STEM, and I was yeah. listening to this podcast. John Carrington is the CEO of STEM. Mm -hmm. 
and he left GE. He was a GE guy. And, and all of a sudden, all these opportunities came to him. And now he's the CEO. He went to First Solar and he was running for First Solar. And then he saw STEM and John Doerr, one of the most, yeah, one of the oh, most yeah. uh, you know, prolific and successful venture capitalists came to him with his opportunity. And they came back to him and they're asking about, hey, John, what do you think about Jack? You worked for Jack Welch and you worked for Jeff Immelt. You know, what, yeah. you know, who did you like better? You know, Welch was a very controversial CEO, but he got a lot of stuff accomplished. ML yeah. was kind of a pie in the sky guy. And I love the way Carrington answered it. You know, he goes, ML was full of good ideas, but poor execution. You know, Jack Welch, I liked his style. He and I thought a lot alike. It was a very positive, but he left GE, but he, he realized his, his bosses, that, you know, he wasn't complaining yeah. about his bosses. He's like, exactly. I'm moving to better opportunities. Yeah. And I think it's when it comes down to when people are like, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm going into an interview and someone, the interviewer says, tell me about your boss. It's a trap. Yeah. So many people will get into this thing. Oh, I hate my boss. You know, he won't let me do this <laughs> or she won't let me do this or she or he is a tyrant. And I think that's just a, you know, that's a death spiral to get into. And I think the the most honest answer is, you know, my boss has certain goals he or she needs to meet. She's got the interests of the company and her own interests at heart. You know, I've got a lot of respect for him or her, but it's time for me to move on for a lot of different reasons. And ultimately, yeah, you know, yeah, ultimately, you just keep it very high and you keep it very positive. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, uh, and this is another topic that maybe we could hit some other time, but you got to interview your boss when you interview for any position at any company. You're interviewing him the same way he's interviewing, interviewing you. It's, it, it's like in a football field. You can't play defense all the time. Nope. You got to have an offense. So you, you got to make sure that 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 your you know outlook on life, even your approach, how you do business, meshes with your boss. Mm -hmm. It's like getting married. I mean, I've been married for thirty-eight years. You know, uh, I think I did a pretty good job interviewing my wife while, while I was dating her. You know, I mean, you always got to be looking for flags. And yeah. I tell my kids that too. So I would tell people, you know, out there watching and listening, uh, man, when you interview for a new position, whether it's internal or external, you really got to interview your boss because if you got a bad boss, you don't want to be bitching and moaning about it. Mm -hmm. you know? but, but but I think it's more to that. To find that million dollar career, it's got to be less about running from your, your boss and more about understanding what it is you're looking for in your own career. What do you want? You know, you know, uh, you know I want to be the best to find the best. You know, it, it, you know, this very opaque, I wanted to be the best. Okay. Define what the best is in your industry. If you were the best in your industry, what are the three things that you, what are the three things that or four things that are tangible that you would have that would make you happy? You know, I, I want to be, you know, you know, it's just, I want to be good. I want to be the best. Mm. That's too Tom Cruise and Top Gun. I want to be the best of the best, sir. You know, okay, well, what is that? What's the best yeah. of the best? You know, yeah, you know, you be the best you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why don't you be the best? I want to be the best I can be. I want to be, 
running a company one day, or I want to be running a general, I want to be, you know, the top general manager in the entire company. I want to take a PL of $100 million and turn it into a $200 million PL. Yeah. And I want to be recognized for that. I want to make a lot of money. I want to own a business where, you know, I become the number one player in my market, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I think too many people don't don't think about what is it they want to move yeah. towards. What's the stuff I'm running from? Yeah. And and running from something, you know, it, it, uh, Kramer. I love Kramer on CNBC. I, I, yeah, I find him irritatingly humorous or interesting. I guess I should roll my sleeves up. Huh? And he sat there. He sits there. And he goes. He goes. Hey, nobody ever made a dime panic selling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. You know, my whole life now is every time the stock market goes down, I'm like, oh, I want to hit that sell button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go back to that quote. Nobody ever made a dime panic sell. Uh, you know, and, and but that's the whole thing is that when you're panic, when you're running from a bad situation or running from a situation where you feel like you cannot grow anymore, but you don't know what you're running to then you're lost. You you're 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 trying to build a foundation for your career off of water and you'll never hit a million bucks you know until you find yeah, the, terra, until you find terra firma i'm i mean if you look at you and i okay um we used to work in the corporate world mm -hmm. but we decided that we don't want to boss anymore because yeah. we wanted independence we wanted to we, we wanted to go by our rules we wanted to make a lot of money and um you know, I decided to go into the recruiting business because the recruiting business was really a great match for my skills, experience, and my interest. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be, my, I, I, you know, I wanted to be my own boss. So I left corporate and, and I ran towards something. I ran towards building a premier executive search practice and I owned it. Mm -hmm. I still own it. I own it financially, but psychologically and intellectually, I own this business. I never make mistakes uh, that I don't own up to. If I make a mistake, it's my fault. It's not my employee's fault. It's nope. not my vendor's fault. It's my fault. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna learn from that and I'm, and I'm mm -hmm. gonna get better. I'm gonna own that. Like our buddy Jocko says, you know, mm -hmm. in that book, Extreme Ownership. That's it, man. So you gotta think of it not only as a career, but almost like a vocation, like a calling. Mm -hmm. What is my calling? And once you once you figure that out, you develop a plan and you focus, focus, focus. And that's how you get there. Mm -hmm. There is no bitch in a moment. Yeah. Look, I think there's a lot of yeah, I think there's a lot of wannabe entrepreneurs out there. I think yeah. there's people, yeah, there's a guy, there's a guy from West Virginia who's a good friend of mine. I haven't talked to him in a long time. So I'll say he's now a good acquaintance. Yeah. But he was incredibly wealthy, incredibly wealthy guy. Oh, uh, probably worth 50, 60 million dollars. And one day I sat down, I go, it was like, hey, Jim, how did you get to where you are? You're a relatively young guy. He was late 40s, nice wife, lived down in Florida, a couple of nice looking daughters, you know, really good family, the all American thing. And he goes, hey, I was a tennis pro. <laughs> and I realized there was no money. No money to be made as a tennis pro. So I went and tried to buy a McDonald's 
Huh. I went to the McDonald's school. You know, I went to whatever the McDonald's yeah. Academy or whatever they call it, you know, where you learn how to become a franchise owner. And he goes, I bought, they were really reluctant to give me a store. So I had to go buy a store from a guy and I turned it around. And then I went and turned around another store. I bought another store. So now I've got two and I turned that one around. And then eventually I just kept doing it. And now I've got, I think at the time he had 12 or 15 stores down in South Florida. Yeah, right. It was worth, he was nutting it. So those are worth a lot of money, I guess, right? Yeah, so he's, well, he was making, you figure he's 12 stores. He's making probably, you know, he's, half a million. He's probably netting out a half a million bucks a year on each store for himself. Yeah. And, um, yeah. but he said something very interesting. He's So he was also on the board of direct, the Honda Golf Classic down in uh, South Florida. You know, it's, it's a big charity event. Yeah, yeah. Big professional PGA, but it's a big charity event too. And he goes, I sit on the board with a lot of really smart CEOs. They're brilliant. They're much smarter than I am, but they don't have the courage to go off on their own. Yeah. yeah. They just don't have the courage to do it. It takes a lot of courage, man. And as I you think and I that's, know. That's the ultimate thing is it's like, oof, you know, but it, it comes to this. I think there's a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't have the courage to do it. Or there's a lot of people who want to be, they want to be wildly successful in their career, but they don't have the courage to do it. And when I, or, or, or I don't want to say the courage, they're lazy. They'd rather, it's easy to put up with a mediocre situation. It's, yeah. it's, it's really easy to be mediocre. It's really, really freaking hard to be exceptional. And, and that, you got to know how you have to be resilient. You have to be able to to yeah. to bounce back because if you're going to take risks, you know, uh, you got to be willing and able to bounce back because if you don't, because if you can't bounce back, you're going to get run over. Man, yeah. when I started this, when I started my business in 2008, people were laughing at me. Like, literally, <laughs> there were literally people I knew from industry. Where you're like, you're just an idiot, and they're laughing. <laughs> And yeah, you come up and you talk to them and they're giving you the eye roll and you're like, you got to, it's like water off the back. It's like, all right. It kind of just yeah, gave me one yeah. more. It was like one more thing to, you know, one more, I go to these conferences, all these guys were staying at the Hyatt on the company dime. I was staying at yeah. La Quinta. I was staying at La Quinta. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I was for, sleeping out in the woods behind Motel 5. 50 you know? bucks for 50 bucks a night. Or yeah, you, <laughs> it's like, I'll get a hotel. I'll go to Motel. Yeah, yeah. I'll go to Motel 6, you know, and it's it's like 70 bucks a night, you know, and uh, and, and, and and get laughed at. You're like, hey, look, man. It's That's how our business is. The recruiting business. I mean, if, if you take entrepreneurs, you know, an entrepreneurial activity, it doesn't get any more difficult than being an executive recruiter, a headhunter. No. Because... There's a tremendous amount of rejection. You know, you're yeah. we're calling people. People are hanging up. What are you doing? Call me. You you're yeah. not. I'm gonna I'm gonna call the Better Business Bureau on you. I'm gonna call yeah. the cops on you. I've got people. I'm gonna call the police on you. They're gonna call the FBI on you. You're supposed to be calling my house. But you know, I got a I got an email last week actually. Mm -hmm. I was I was talking with you about this before before we went on, Frederick. From Abu Dhabi, okay? People listen to us all over the world, man. Okay. So here I am in Abu Dhabi. Frederick is here in Abu Dhabi. He sends me an email. 
I saw your million dollar careers thing where you're talking about a day in the life of the billionaire. And he sends me an email and he follows it up with, with, with something. I just, I just got this. It says, yeah. you talk about handling rejection, right? Okay. Right. This is from Frederick. Frederick, thank, thanks very much. Quote, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. Yeah. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Right. Michael Jordan wrote that. Yep. And then Frederick at the bottom of the page, he must be, you know, a research guru because I guess he took it upon himself to find out because the next sentence is his. Hey, Rob, by the way, Michael Jordan is not only the greatest basketball yep. player of all time, but since 2015, the first billionaire athlete in history. Athlete. So there you go. We talked about billionaires a couple weeks ago. Michael Jordan's a great example. I think he's the same guy that came up with the thing about you got to practice 10,000 hours to develop a high level yep. habit too, right? Yeah. So, well, you know, you know, sitting in San Diego, this goes back to this, this goes back. Wow. I don't know, probably 70 years ago now, quite a while ago, sure. sitting in sure. San Diego with Jack. Yeah. He was, he was, he, he, we literally were sitting and he was getting his startup. His company was a startup. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And he was getting jammed. I, I mean, he was getting jammed by his very first investor. And we're sitting out in Mission Beach and having a couple of drinks. And we pulled out a napkin and, and he started, we started just talking through it. It was like, hey, just, and I was like, Jack, the guy who's trying to jam you, put you, he runs a company that is heavily dominated by the Teamsters. He's used to dealing with the Teamsters. If you want to beat this guy, you got to get down on his level. He's just messing with you. He's just trying to see what he can get. And I think all of a sudden Jack realized, he goes, you know, you're absolutely right. He's, he's jerking with me to see what he can get. And that's okay. But that's the stuff when you're, when you're moving forward in your life, it's never a straight path. It's never an easy yeah. path. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like the stock market, right? It's what you have, you have highs, lows, it's a it's an emotional remote roller coaster, and that's why you got to maintain your positive attitude. Because if you don't, those people, if if you're Jack and, and you've got fifteen or twenty people that are working under you, they're looking at you as as the savior. Because if Jack goes down, the whole thing goes down, right? So mm -hmm. the last thing Jack could be is a dissenting voice or complaining about his investor because the, the whole thing, thing falls apart. Yeah. You can't complain about the boss, the bosses. But the thing is, is that Jack had a target and his target for this thing is to be huge. And he's on a pretty good track and he has never wavered yeah. from yeah. his goal. He's never tried to say, okay, well, this path is, you know, he might go, you know, five degrees tap dead center, but he's never made, you know, a huge course correction and said, okay, you know, we wanted the product to be this. Well, we're going to go make it this now, yeah. or we wanted to go, we're going to go do something different. It's like Elon Musk with Tesla, you know, Tesla is, I mean, I can't imagine having Elon Musk as a boss. I, he'd wear me out. But you think about one of the most 
ingenious people in the, the history of the world. Uh, PayPal. Sure. First company was PayPal. He comes up with yeah. Tesla. Now he's got, you know, uh, SpaceX. SpaceX. I can't, the guy would wear me out. So you talk about, you know, a bad boss. Well, he's probably the, the, yeah, he's like the mad genius. Your question is, can you, can you, can you hang with him? Can you learn from him? And can you grow from being a Tesla employee? But the thing is, is, is uh, he's never wavered from his goal. We are going to build, we're going to change the world with very high quality electric vehicles. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, when you think you have a bad boss or an unfair boss or an unruly boss, then the first thing I do when I'm in a situation like that, and it, it doesn't have to be a boss, it, it could be an investor or a partner, mm -hmm. is the first thing you got to do when I do, you, you look internally, like, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. What could I be doing better? Because it's not always the boss's fault either, you know? Maybe maybe I'm just a prick and I'm difficult yeah. to get along with, you know what I mean? Or maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, acting in a diplomatic or a political way. So yeah. in my corporate uh, world, in my experience, you know, I always had difficult times with my bosses, but but now that I look back on it, a lot of it was probably because I'm a difficult guy to get along with. So you know what I'm I did? A complete, I, I'm a complete pain in the ass. I, I decided yeah, yeah. that, as you said, as you said a few minutes ago, I decided I looked within and I decided, you know what, I need to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's what I need to be. And then I focused on that, and everything has been great since. So. So it really so wasn't left. my boss back then. It was me. Yeah, it was it, it's it was me. So yeah. I, I'll tell you a great story about the worst the, the the best worst boss in history. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I say this jokingly because it was a lesson I'll never forget. And I, I'm actually really appreciative. And and now the the CEO and I are actually yeah, we've been um we've been good, you know, good business. Uh, yeah, we've got a good business relationship, a good professional relationship. My first day in civilian world after the Navy was a Gulfstream aircraft. And I went through a morning of indoctrination, whatever all that bullshit is. Yeah, you sign the papers and you get the health benefits and you have no idea. And somebody hands <laughs> me this presentation. Somebody literally hands me this presentation. I'm day one. I'm like four hours into day one. And they say, hey, go take this to Bill. He's the CEO. Bill Boyster is the guy's name. He's the, he's the CEO. And go introduce yourself. I'm like, okay. Well, I'll do that. So I take this PowerPoint presentation. And I go to Bill's office. I introduce myself to Bill. I'm like, hey, you know, whatever. And I leave his office. And I'm like three steps down the hall. And he starts yelling at me. He goes, this crap is crap it's wrong it's bullshit this starts circling stuff he goes don't ever bring me that i'm like dude i'm like four hours at this company don't he goes no 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 he goes let this be a lesson if you bring me something you're my last line of defense to make sure it is right and yeah, don't ever true. accept don't ever accept something Somebody gave to you and bring it to me without questioning its 
accuracy because I don't have time to look at this stuff. I've got a company to run. And if I had gone up and given this presentation to the military, I would have been hugely embarrassed and it would have cost the company a lot of money. And I got it. You know, it was like, you know, it was kind of like, you know, now a lot of people could say, could say he was a jerk. You know, he kind of was, he was rude. He was abrupt. He could have been more understanding. Hey, dude, it's your first day. Yeah. I actually appreciated his authenticity because I understood that minute. I understood where he was and great lessons. Yeah. And I was like, I still, to this day, remember that. And it's like, if I'm going to deliver something to somebody, you verify it's correct. You verify it's accuracy. And you never, and you always question just one more time. You say, is this right? And so what did you do to that son of a bitch who who gave me the presentation? Well, that was my boss. It was my boss who gave it to me. (laughs) And I went down and I said, Hey dude, I just got, I just got ripped. Um, This whole thing is wrong. We need to fix it. So we sat down and we fixed it, but it was a lesson. It was a lesson learned, but, but look, it, it was a great lesson, but you know, ultimately I think about all the times where I felt like I had a bad boss and it wasn't necessarily the boss was bad. It was maybe the employee me was bad or, you know, I wanted something different. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want something different. I didn't understand what he was looking for. You know, whatever goes into the military too. When I get back in the military too, it's like your job as an employee, if you're going to be an employee is to understand what's going to make your boss a rock star. And yeah, and then, yourself, as you know, in the yourself. military, there's a reason why they have a hierarchy because if because if you do get something wrong, right. people die. You know. Yeah. And now the, that's the yeah. advantage of having that experience. And it, but it's the chain of command too. There's that chain of command, and the chain of command goes up. And I always like that the chain of command goes up and the chain of command goes down. You know, the yeah. CEO of the company has a VP of sales for a reason, and the VP of sales has salespeople underneath them. If the CEO is going to continually call the salespeople directly and say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? What you, you've, totally, you've totally hacked your VP of sales off at the knees. And now that VP of sales has got a right to be pissed off. Now, if he can't fix it with the CEO, then the question is, okay, I'm not going to thrive here because the CEO doesn't trust me enough to do my job. I need to move on. That's but at least you know I'm yeah. a really good VP of sales. I need to move on to a company where, you know, I am not only responsible for the results, but I have the accountability as well. So let me ask you this, Craig. Can we throw the whole question back to you? Okay. So let's say you're out there listening to this and you're working with a really a great company, a really, really good company. You got a, a great job, you're making lots of money. Got a lot of really good subordinates, got a great team, but you've got a boss who is just, maybe he's incompetent, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but let's give your bad boss the benefit of that. Let's say he is competent, but maybe it's his management style, There's doesn't have the respect of others, It never has your back. I mean, whatever the problem is, mm-hmm. how do you deal with it? How do you deal with a guy like that? Do you manage him? Or, or do you, or do you just immediately try and catapult out of the department? I'm all about. How do you manage a bad boss? Well, I think, I think it doesn't. Isn't managing up as much of your career as managing down? Oh yeah, absolutely. Aren't the most successful? Aren't the most successful executives people who know how to manage up? Yeah. And and the and and the thing is, is you may have that person who's above you, 
and you, you manage up by understanding what they need, what they want. Now, if they're capricious, you know, if they're just capricious in their behavior and they're erratic and, you know, whatever, your answer is, hey, maybe I just, you know, look, you know, it's like the Detroit Lions or, or you remember Charlie Finley and the, uh, the, uh, who the, uh, oh, the, yeah, the, the days. you know, Charlie Finley was an owner of major league baseball and Charlie, Charlie's whole goal was I will have the cheapest payroll. I will have the crappiest teams because I can make just as much money doing that is this, you know, there's some things you're not going to change, but, but ultimately it's up to you to go, all right, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn how to manage up. And if this is not the place for me, then I'm going to understand what, what my foundation is to launch me into a place where I can be successful. And the other thing too is I'll take that a step further. So you can always call up, up Craig Picken if you're in the aerospace or the aviation industry and say, Hey, Craig, I, I got to get out of here. That's yep. obviously option one. Option two is I think you have to take ownership as well. And how I counsel uh, people that I work with is mm -hmm. Make sure you get evaluated. Make sure you have a performance review at least twice a year. I know it's usually once a year. Some companies don't even have a performance review. Like if you get into some smaller companies, you have to make sure that you get an annual review or a semi-annual review. And what I tell people is when you do the review, you've got to go in there with your benchmarks. It, that has to be a mutually agreed upon process. Yep. You and that's up to you, either by force of personality or by using diplomacy, mm -hmm. being nice, whatever it is. But you have to use your communication skills with your boss. And, and when you meet, say, hey, here's some ideas I have. Here's how I can create more value, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Here's how I can make the company money. And mm -hmm. here's the steps. So you have to go into these meetings with solutions. Mm -hmm. Get your boss to own it too. And maybe you could sort of develop a partnership because think about it. The best thing you can do for your boss is make him look good, right? Yep. If you come up with ideas to, to make your sales department grow by 60% because, mm -hmm. hey, let's go after some sales channel customers, maybe some new you know, market segmentation, and you, and you get your boss to sign up to that because you're going to make money, all of a sudden, you may have the greatest boss in the world. I'm not right. saying it's going to happen, but you have to make that effort. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, look, I think it just comes down to, you know, my boss doesn't understand me. That's a negative. Yeah, yeah. that's just a negative. I, yeah, he's mean, or my boss just doesn't understand me. I, I got to get out of here. Um, but ultimately, to your to your you know, to your point, here's what people should be doing, and they should be writing down every week exactly what they accomplished. Yes. Exactly. What did you accomplish? What did you do that you're really proud of? Yep. It's not a matter what the comp. What did you do? Not not what you were given, not what you were allowed to do. What did you do? Right. And ultimately, every week, and then you have something for what that you go into that review. You go, hey, dude, here's my review. I accomplished this. Boom. I accomplished this. Boom. I did this. Boom. 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 Now, say you're getting nowhere. Just say you're getting. Say you're 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 playing for the Detroit Lions, where good players go to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but but you've now got a base. You now have a base to move on. You could say, I am the best software engineer because I did this. I'm a, yeah. I'm a great software engineer. This is what I accomplished in my company. Somebody would want to know me. 
somebody outside this company would really want to know me because I'm really good at what I do. Or the best salesperson, you know, the, 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 you know, the best salesperson would say, hey, look, this is what I did. This is what I learned. This is all the stuff I grew my territory on. If I can't get what I want in my company, somebody out there, one of my competitors, would yeah. certainly want to hear about me. And you know, here's what the one thing yeah. that here's one thing that people will not do and they should do. If they're really, really good, I mean, I'm all about being aggressive. And if you're really, really good and you're really, really stuck, but you really, really know you're good, why don't you call up your competitor? Why don't you just call up the VP of sales at your primary three competitors and say, hey, I'm stuck here. But here are my achievements. Here are my achievements. <laughs> I take a lot of do you, do, do you think lunch? Do you think lunch would be appropriate? You know? No, it's great. I mean, why not? No. Yeah, you know, I say who who are four or five companies who absolutely want to hear about if you're that good. Yeah, of and course, you're that right. if you're that good, who are four or five companies that would want to hear about you? And why are you not picking up the phone and calling them? Yeah. yeah. No, I I I think you're right. You know. Back when I graduated from college, my first job was with Arthur Anderson and Company, mm -hmm. big accounting firm. And I remember several years after I left there, you know, everybody leaves after three or four years. Mm -hmm. I was no different. I left after three years, had a very successful uh, three-year run. Can you can, can you imagine me as an accountant, right? I left after three. <laughs> no. I survived three years. I left, you know, and. Uh, uh, Milt Fortson, I'm sure he's dead. Yeah, this is 40. He was in his early 70s. So un, un, unless Milt somehow lived till he's 117 or something, yeah, you know, he's he's no longer with us. But I remember I saw Milt at a at a conference several years later, and Milt came up to me and he says, "Hey, Rob, how's it going?" I said, "Good." He says, "How's your new position?" Oh, it's going great. Hey, we really miss you at Arthur Anderson. I said. I was kind of surprised, you know, because, you know, you know, if you don't get a lot of adulation there. And I said, uh, oh, really? And he says, oh, yeah. He says, you know, you were always like the smartest guy in the meetings because you were the guy that would bring things up. You were like the devil's advocate. Hey, mm -hmm. what if what, what if we did this or what if we, we did that? He goes, your problem. And I still remember you just never spoke up enough. He goes, you know, after you left. I went down and I talked to your supervisor and, and asked why you left. And he says, I don't really know. The guy came in and just his resignation, and he was only gone the next day. And he says, I wish he would have stuck around here because he had, he had a lot to offer. And my problem was, and this happened to me in my next two positions, the same thing. Mm -hmm. I was a young guy, you know, 21, 22 years old. My problem was I, I never really took the time or effort. I didn't have the personal confidence in myself to develop a relationship with my boss. Mm -hmm. The guy never really knew half the stuff that I was doing because mm -hmm. of what you just said. I never wrote stuff down. I just assumed that everybody knew. Yeah. You can't assume that. Yeah. I think that's a great point. People got to write stuff down yeah. and then communicate with your boss. Walk into his office. I'm thinking to myself, why the hell didn't I ever just walk into my boss's office and say, hey, how's it going? You want to go to lunch? Yeah. I, I was always afraid. You know, yeah. He's too busy. He's well, too senior. He's smarter than me. Well, just like you said, you got to take the initiative and just get to know your boss too yeah, and cultivate yeah. the relationship and make sure he knows what you're doing, man. I, I, I you're still exactly laugh. right. 
I still laugh about the story. I had a great boss. I had this guy. I worked for this guy. He was phenomenal. He's an ex-Air Force general. And this guy was, he was, he was cool. cool. Just on point. We, we had this kind of like, you know, I was young. I was young and aggressive. And he was like this, you know, pretty steady Eddie Air Force general. But he's a terrific guy. And we just won this big contract with the Air Force. We sold the Air Force like I don't know, 25 airplanes, 25 Gulfstreams. And I was sitting up in his office in D.C. and we were having a big powwow. And he says, hey, Craig, how do we get this now in front of the Navy? And I said, I don't know. Let me think about it. And I walked out and I went down the hall <laughs> and I picked up the phone and I called the chief of naval operations office. Now, everybody, the chief of naval operations is the top, top admiral in the Navy. He's you know, on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And, he's, and I talked to his aide. Guy named Boomer Stuffelbeam. And we had Boomer met Stufflebeam. One, Boomer Stuffelbeam, John Stuffelbeam. He's a great guy. He's, I mean, he still is a great guy. Um, <laughs> and I said, Hey, Boomer, we met. He's like, Yeah, I, I vaguely remember you. He was, we were, we were you know, out of Miramar. And I go, If I have a G5 in DC next week, would you and the Admiral want to go fly? And here's why. And he's like, hell yeah. And, and you hear him go, hey, Admiral, if we have a Gulfstream 5 in DC next week, you want to go fly it? He was that 14 pilot. He goes, heck yeah. So I came back and I looked at Buddy, Sam's my boss. I said, okay, if we have a G5 here next week, we got the chief, <laughs> we got, we got the chief of naval operations and his aide flying it. We're good to go. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? I said, I just called the CNO's office. I got a date. We got to have an airplane here next week. Yeah, he yeah. was kind of like pissed because he thought, <laughs> he thought I was going to go write a white paper. I'm like, no. You asked me how to do it. I just found an answer. And it's like, yeah, it was probably a little more aggressive than he wanted. Um, was I out of line? Probably. Did we get the meeting and a couple sales? Absolutely. Would you rather write, would you would you rather light a fire under somebody's ass or 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 hold them back a little bit, right? right. And, and, yeah, but that's the answer. So it's like one of those things where you go, hey. You know, be a little aggressive and, you know, put fear behind you and just say, but, but ultimately I think people, people need to get on a path. They need to stick to the path and they need to figure out, Hey, look, if I'm going to be a value to, if, if I want a better boss or I want a better path, or I want a million dollar career, I better know my worth. And if I don't yeah. know my, if I don't know my worth, once again, yeah. I'm building, I'm building a foundation off water and yeah. there's your problem. And there's your problem. I think that's kind of the, I think that's kind of the the answer to uh, I need a better boss question. I think I think we just cracked a code, man. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. And we threw a, a, a few interesting stories in there. That's that's a great uh, G five story. We'll have it here next week. I could see the guy. We need a white paper, Craig. Yeah, we need a white paper. I don't even know what a white paper. It took me like years. I didn't even know what a white paper was. <laughs> <laughs> Go write a white paper. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. You want me? Okay. Yeah. You want me you want me to go spend a couple hours on something nobody will ever read. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. Okay, that's it. Oh hey, you know who we gotta get on the show? Who? We gotta get Jack on here, man. We gotta call Jack. Let's get him on here. He's out go right down the hall and pick up the phone and call Jack. Just like call you called the chief of naval operations. Now there's a guy who's had one hell of a million dollar career. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I watch him and and uh he's he's done, he's knocked it out of the park. So we'll get him on. Yeah, he's, he, he's amazing. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to do this again. Guy. Yeah, man. What, I'm looking forward to it next week. Let's do it. I've, 
I've got some ideas here that, that I'm, I'm currently rolling around, one of which is Jack, but uh, I've, I've, I've got some others. And uh, this was a great session. I mean, every time I do one of these with you, Craig, I learn a lot. So uh, I can only imagine what other people out I there just love talking about. I, I love talking about million dollar careers and how people get to the top. And, and you know, yeah, I think the, I think it comes down to is, you know, the recipe is really not that. It's, yeah. it's a very simple recipe. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not easy. It's not easy to get there, but it's a simple recipe. Yeah. And and keep the and keep the emails coming. I've gotten phone calls. I've gotten text messages. I don't know how people get my phone number. I guess they go to the website. I'm getting text messages. Hey, I I, I love the story about your former billionaire boss, or I got this email from Frederick from Abu Dhabi. I mean, Frederick, if you're listening to this, keep them coming, man. You know, I love emails. And if it's a good one, we'll definitely read it on the show, right? Yeah, let's do it. So anyway, yeah. how, what's your email? How do people get a hold of you, Rob? rhouten at mrfairfax.com. That's R-H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N at mrfairfax.com. Dot com. And I'm Craig at NorthStarESG.com. So shoot us a note. Excellent. We'll respond. All right, man. I'll see Thanks, you next Rob. week. All right, All buddy. Right. Talk soon. Peace, bro. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.